veil that takes us all the way beyond what we can see, beyond death's door. But we have your promises, we have your character, the one who cannot lie. We know we, you have prepared a place for us. And now at this time, we pray for the, your word to speak to us, to bind us together into a living temple that would bring you much glory. Father, without you, without your spirit, without your word, we are but dead stones, cold stones. But we want to go from the law that killeth to the spirit that maketh alive. Speak to us then through that spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I think often ministers are known for having pet passages. Uh, My father often preached from John 14 about about the preparation and the promises that Jesus has for us. And I'm just, uh, I think probably a passage that's really close to my heart that I think, I know I've meditated on more than once that I feel led to meditate on again this afternoon is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I invite you to turn to that and let's read together the first 16 verses. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he has ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay, lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth 
according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Read uh, 16th uh, verse. Like I said, I think this passage is very near and dear to my heart. I remember being a new Christian. I think this might have been the very first passage that I led a Bible study on. I remember the old church. Uh, I still I can visualize it, and, and I just, the Spirit really inspired me with the vision of what the church should and could be. And I think this vision is not what it kind of was corrupted to be over time. We see in the New Testament this very uh, interdependent, the body is the, the picture that, that the, the Bible uses. Uh, it's talking about here every joint supplying to be effective. We know 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how every member is given everyone again here too it talked about how the god the one god gifted each one of us individually in unique ways but with the intention of working together here he talks about the the purpose you've got some unique gifts but they all have a single purpose they're the perfecting the bringing to maturity and to growth the whole body of all of us to become like Jesus, to the stature and the, of, of, to grow up into him. That's the intent. And it's not what we kind of currently see. So, so there's, there's two lies that I want to expose so that we can counter it with the truth of what we read here. The one lie... Um, that we can kind of hear we live in North America, the land of the rugged individual, where, you know, you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and become all things. You can achieve your potential. You don't need anybody. And, and you are um, self-sufficient, as we heard this morning, being the, the problem that... Uh, that the rich young ruler was relying on his resources to be self-sufficient. But here, this is not, there is no self-sufficient Christian. There's no person who says, well, I've got everything I need. I got the Bible. I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need anything more. Yes, the Bible says that we have the unction of the Holy Spirit says in James that we have no need of man to teach anything that's sufficient. But that's not God's vision, is that you can go off and, uh, you know, just you and the Bible can go off and be healthy Christians on your own. That's, that's not what we read here. It's very clear here that God didn't gift you with everything. He gave you parts of the gifting so that you can help others and you need others to help you. And it's only as we are interdependent where everyone through the Spirit is helping each other that we can achieve this goal of being like Jesus. You should be trying to be more like Jesus 
But you cannot accomplish that on your own. God didn't design that for that to be a personal, exclusively personal goal. It should be your personal goal to be like Jesus, but you need the body. And the body needs you. That's, that's the bottom line, is what it says here, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Notice how that word every means every. Every means each one of us is essential to the effective functioning for us. We, we, none of us can collectively reach the goal of being like Jesus without the contribution of each individual. So that exposes the lie that I don't need anybody. And I mean, I just had someone, you know, a, a couple weeks ago say to, you know, like, you know, church is nice, but, you know, I'm okay. You know, I, I get, you know, fed through these online sources or these connections I have, and I'm good. That's not the vision of the New Testament church, is that we can kind of eclectically picking up all these these things that you know we have affinity for or, or they may be good and godly things I have no I have no I, I, I do not believe that this is the only place in the world where God's truth is being proclaimed it's not thank God it's not it would be very sad state of affairs if this is the only place God's truth is being proclaimed but we cannot accomplish this interdependent goal of being like Jesus if we're just global Christians, our individual Christians, self-sufficient Christians. This is self-sufficient is not what's this describing. The other lie. In the Old Testament, there was um, there was different the temple, for example. You know, you you had we, we heard this morning about the different, you know, the, the 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 court of the Gentiles, the court of the women, the court of the men, the 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 the, the building where the priests alone were allowed to enter, the holy of holies where only the high priest was allowed to enter once a year with blood increasingly exclusive right and um that there was a a distinction that there was the every man who needed a priest to go between him and god and then there was the priest who was able to actually enter into god's presence and intercede on behalf of other people. There was a very clear distinction. Uh, God made a distinction between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean. That was a very important distinction so that people could recognize that everything isn't all okay, I'm okay, you're okay. There is sin, and sin keeps us from God's presence, and sin needs to be dealt with, and we don't have the freedom to come into God's presence without atonement. And that's why we need Jesus. And if we didn't have the Old Testament teaching, that would be a bad thing. But now that we have Jesus, 
We don't want to revert back to this kind of, there's some people who have access to God and then there's the everyman. That's not what the New Testament is teaching, right? It's not what it's teaching here. And if I were to, you know, 1 Peter 2 is a pretty close parallel here. Um, and it's teaching instead of using the imagery, the metaphor of a human body, it's using the metaphor of the temple of God and how we are all living stones based on the cornerstone. But it's teaching, it's being very explicit that um, the point of this spiritual house is to be a holy priesthood and that you, and this is the you plural, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people purchased by his blood that you should show forth the praise of him with called you out of darkness into his light. Which in the past were not a people, but now are the people of God. This is called the teaching of the priesthood of all believers. This was something that was lost at the time of Constantine where before that people were in there were they were in probably home churches there were bishops there were uh, uh, these different gifts but every believer was an essential part of the body right and then um, in the time of Constantine we went back to an Old Testament model where and also a pagan model where you had you had temples and you had priests and you had gatekeepers between every man and God and guess what those gatekeepers started charging an entrance fee and we have the corruption of Christianity into something that ended up being about money and power and all these 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 things that really give Christianity a bad name when you you talk to people and then you know that was something that was in the Reformation was trying to revert that but not sure if they really did right we talk about how grace is available to all men how we all through through faith alone through the scripture alone uh, we can have access to God we don't um, need um, mediation except through Jesus Christ but is the the church we need to be careful that we don't have that mentality I mean in some ways this building doesn't help the way you and I are sitting right now doesn't help it's good that we elevate the position of the word it's good that the brother recognizes that they are not teaching their personal opinions, but they need to be in the fear of God, speak as the oracle of God. And we, yes, it's good that we respect and honor that. But it's not good that we feel that there's a distinction, that it is okay to passively sit in the benches and to hear God's word maybe evaluate how well it's being taught but not to feel that we are all one that you are also priests 
that you also fulfill that role as being the mediator between a holy God and those around you. And we're, that, that you, you are to be the light bringer, the Christ bringer uh, into the circles and the people around you. And this isn't, this isn't uh, Old Testament, uh, you know, it's not even a Catholic clergy lady. It's not a North American producer-consumer model where you are the consumers evaluating what product a producer, I mean, you know, it's, you know, some churches, you know, you, you're paying the pastor and, you know, does he do a good enough job? And maybe we need to have a job review. We need, he needs to improve. I mean, those who are in that position need to examine themselves for sure. But brothers and sisters, we need to, to not think this is about sitting in benches. We have a personal responsibility as priests of God, as a holy nation, as peculiar meaning we're purchased by the blood of Christ to, to actually, we, each one of us, mediate God's presence and build each other up. And yeah, that's something that you may feel inadequate in doing. You may feel that you don't have all it takes to answer every question, to, to uh, maybe articulate, you know, as, as well as some other person, or you may feel that you're not, you don't have the gift of an evangelist. God's given you some gift, some gift. And not only is God giving you some gift, your gift is essential. It's required. The church cannot be like Jesus without you. And so we need to, instead of being passive, start letting and listening to the Spirit. What do you want me to do? What role? How are you leading me to build up this body? How are you leading me to, to uh, lift up your name in a fallen world? How can I serve my brothers and sisters in a hurting world? And how can I be served? See, one thing that gets in the way is when we feel like I can't really let my weaknesses show. That's going to bring shame to, to Christ. I think that's an excuse that I might use where I need to be humble. I need to acknowledge my failures. I need to be accountable. I need to be, allow my brother and my sister to, to also minister to me. We talked last Sunday, or it was a, two weeks ago, I think, when I was last on the pulpit from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about how, what dynamics that were happening in First Corinth that kind of got in the way of people actually connecting. What caused them to withdraw and judge and evaluate and how we need to go beyond all of that and realize that 
there's only one judgment that matters. But this is what we're challenged this morning isn't about not allowing us to be divided by fear of judgment. It's telling us to get involved. That God gave you something that's needed and you need to, to, to allow him to flow through you and allow that gift that he's given you that we read here, he, he, he went down to hell and up to heaven to be able to bring you this grace, this enabling power that he, the, the, the facet of which he's given you is unique and is needed to be combined. And you need to seek, Lord, today, how do you want me to serve? Because we need every single one of those. And we need to go back to being a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a connected people, in order to reflect Christ collectively. And Lord bless his word. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I know that God has brought each one of you into this fellowship for a purpose. He said so. Thank you for being here. Please don't let Satan ever make you feel like, like you're an appendix, like you're a vestigial part of the body. You're not. God has made no mistake, and he's the one who's brought you here. May each one of us have the humility to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be helped, and be proactive enough to see where we need to help and where we need to, as a body, lift him up, even to this watching world. I believe that God has much in store. And we sell him short when, we, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel I can't, it's too much. It means I'm not relying on the Lord. I'm not depending on the body he's given me. And I'm not trying to grow up into him together, into his stature. Let's work together as a body to be Jesus' hands and feet. With that, we would conclude this afternoon's service.